At Skyview, we strive to love God and others through generous hospitality and meaningful friendship. For more information about Skyview Church, please visit us at www.skyviewchurch.ca. In that whole thing, the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. We used to sing this song in, in, in Sunday school. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. What? There's nothing, nothing my God cannot do. Maybe the older we get, it turns into, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, I have no clue what my God can do for me. And, uh, and we live lives like that. We, we, we just kind of go, well, these, these problems are insurmountable, and the last resort is going to be God, not the first resort. And God's there with open arms going, please come, please be the God. I want to be the God that saves. Not just once on the cross, I want to be the God that saves daily. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. Uh, maybe this morning that's just what we need to hear, that, that God takes great delight in us. I love Mark chapter 1 where, where Jesus was getting baptized and what an awkward situation that would have been between uh, John the Baptist and Jesus as Jesus is looking at John going, you've got to baptize me to fulfill prophecy. And John's going, I'm not doing that. That's not my, like, this, you should be baptizing me. And uh, finally, the discourse comes and John's in the water with Jesus. And as Jesus is baptizing John, uh, a dove appears out of the sky, which is signifying God. And God the Father's voice booms from heaven. This is my son who I love, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done any ministry yet. He hadn't made his big splash on the scene. And God the Father's going, yeah, it's not about the works that you're going to do. I am pleased with you. I love you. I am proud of you. And uh, maybe that needs to motivate us as we leave today that God is proud of us before we do anything for him. Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with his love. Uh, Our world's not quiet. And uh, I love coming in on Sundays into churches and into faith communities and just, just resting, just being quiet long enough to hear God's voice. Uh, you know, God's the God that wants to take us and lead us beside still waters like he talks about in Psalm 23. That quiets our soul, that restores us. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in us. He quiets us with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. What a great picture. Uh, Michelle has this ability, my wife, to, uh, when our kids were smaller, just to sing a song over them and they would just, they would enter into peace. And, uh, you know, I was more of the, okay, come on, what's the problem here? And that never helped. But Michelle could sing these, these great songs over our kids. Could you imagine that God, our Father, has a song that he sings over us? That has our name written all over it, that just brings us to a place of peace. Rather than looking for peace externally, whether it's through, you know, going to a spa or going into the mountains, maybe we just need to to spend time with God. And I love that uh, this morning you've given me that opportunity to come and and be a part of of your faith community. Let me pray as we transition into what I believe God's stirred in my heart for you. And I want this to be an exercise where you really don't hear Matt's words. Uh, That would be a waste and I really should be at the 5K then. Uh, I want you to hear God's words. And so I want to try to get myself so far in the background that you're not seeing me, but you're truly seeing a picture of who God is. God, you are great, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to uh, 
study, that we have uh, the privilege to worship you through even learning. Thank you for the, the opportunity we've had to worship you through song and through giving and through interacting as community. We truly want to have a, a, an accurate picture of what the body of Christ is. We pray for the kids as, as they're in another area. God, may you speak boldly to them. We know that you love children. And that this message that you have of it's about loving me and loving people, they can understand in profound ways. May we learn from the kids. Uh, God, you've given us an opportunity to gather as a community. We come broken. We come uh, scattered. We come disorientated this morning. Uh, God, allow us to see a picture of who you are. I, I pray for my friends here, God, that uh, they would not see a picture of who Matt is but they would truly see who you are. God, put me so far in the background that it's about you this morning. And God, we want to be very careful as we open up your word that it's not just Matt's thoughts sprinkled on God's thoughts. We truly want it to be your thoughts. Uh, Thank you for being a great God. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, Camp Harmatin, and you'll you'll see a a picture that's going to come up behind me here on the, the screen. And uh, you know, Camp Harmattan has this, this, uh, this new vision statement of it's a place for new beginnings. And that takes place in many ways. It takes place with students. It takes place with uh, groups that come and use our facility. But we truly want Camp Harmattan to be a place where you disconnect from the realities of this world and have an opportunity to see and hear God's voice in, in profound ways. Uh, Camp Harmattan's just located in between Olds and Sundry. It has a great history. We are blessed with a, a huge history. Uh, Wayne wanted me to, to really pester you with this. He texted me right before I came up here to say, uh, the work weekend's next weekend. Now, you might be going, I have no skill. That's okay. Uh, Wayne and I have absolutely no skill, and they, we still have a role there. Uh, if you have... Uh, a weekend off or just a Saturday off, we would love for you to come and just help us get the camp ready. There's a variety of jobs from painting to uh, to some more skilled trades. Uh, but it, it really is a family. It's not Matt and Wayne or a paid staff or a, a board of directors that accomplishes what, what God wants at Camp Harmattan. It, it's, a, it's a team of people. It's the family of God uh, all chipping in the body of Christ. And so that happens next weekend, free accommodations, free food, uh, a lot of fun, and, uh, and, and we'd love to see you there. This last uh, summer, uh, which seems so long ago because now we're into the new summer, we had a great year. Uh, God really showed up in, in huge ways. So let me just show you a few of the ways. We saw a week of camp sell out, uh, 139 kids which we had planned for 80 kids. Uh, we saw kids come and find a relationship with Jesus. Uh, 80 kids, uh, 82 kids found uh, the life-giving relationship that they could have with Jesus. We never planned for this, but all of a sudden, in the grade 4 through 6 camp, a, a cabin uh, suddenly felt like they were called to get baptized, a, a group of grade 4 through 6 kids. We didn't plan it. It wasn't in the schedule. We suddenly on Tuesday went into this motion of calling 18 different parents to ask for their permission to baptize their kids. God showed up in a huge way. Uh, for some of you that love finances, we actually forecasted our budget on 325 kids last year. We had 383 students show up. 
And so we were uh, 5% over in our expenditures, but we took in almost 12% more in income. And so we ended the year with almost 65000 extra in the bank, which, you can pray for this, by family camp, we hope that the multiplex addition will be done. And uh, what the multiplex addition is going to give us is uh, four more rooms that are going to be attached to the multiplex that youth groups could come throughout the year and, uh, and have sleepovers there. We can use it for kids programming during uh, the, uh, the family camp and just a variety of different ways. A climbing wall is being installed in two weeks. So there's a lot of exciting things that are, are happening at Camp Harmattan and it's truly because God's people link together and work together. It was not... The board did the right things, or the camp managers did the right things, or the staff did the right thing. It was a collection of people doing the right things. Camp Harmattan is built on a, on a key principle, and we're going to talk about it this morning, and that's uh, about a legacy. There's a legacy. Uh, whether it's in the water, whether it's in buildings, when you look at, whether it's on nameplates that you see, there's a legacy that's intrinsic to Camp Harmattan. And, and that legacy is something that we need to continue at Camp Harmattan, but I want to challenge you that it needs to happen at Skyview. Uh, one of the, the, the roles that I have is I, I'm the interim camp manager. Now, that means that uh, I have a contract. Uh, last year, Wayne and I did it uh, together for a year. We committed to doing it for another year. It's not really my job. I, uh, my full-time job, I, to be honest, hated camp as a kid. So God is punishing me. Um, I didn't like sharing bathrooms. I didn't like my fingernails getting dirty. There was nothing about camp that I enjoyed. Uh, But God in his infinite wisdom went, you know what, Matt? I I want you to be a part of something that you're going to have to count on me, that you're going to have to rely on me for. And uh, to be honest, I really wanted to sit on my deck last year with my nice furniture that I just bought that was in the box all year that I never got to enjoy. But God went, no, Matt, I want you to experience a legacy that is going to continue in spite of you. And I think one of the, the, the marks for us in North America that we have to recapture again is how are we as individuals leaving a legacy for the people that are coming behind us, but also the people that are going on in front of us? And I think right now we're in a place where we just we sit here and we go, well... A legacy, I, I've been there, I've done that. That's for somebody else. And I know as a, as a young individual, and I'm not as young anymore as I used to be, I just turned 40, which just feels terrible. I, uh, maybe that's why I'm not called to camp. Uh, but as I've turned 40, I've went, it's even more important for me now to have older individuals speaking into my life. And the, the more that I get to know God, really the less I know about God. Because God's this, this entity, this individual that just keeps expanding and I need people along the journey to help me. And that's truly what Camp Harmattan is, is committed to. So today, I want to talk to you about the theme of what is your legacy? And for the guys at the back, it's slide number five. What is your legacy? You know, this question could be answered in, in a multitude of, of different ways. One of the possible ways of, of answering this question is to look at your church or maybe at the camp and, and say this, what legacy does our camp or our church Skyview truly want to leave? Uh, 
You know, I believe that here as I sat this morning, there are some definite healthy legacy marks. You have children coming, lots of children coming. You have different generations that are represented here. So as I look from an outsider view, you, you have some high-level marks of, of what it takes to, to leave a legacy. But that's just not good enough to look externally. You know, we might even have had a great history of, of trusting God even when things didn't make sense here on earth. You know, I want you to run through, if you're familiar with Camp Harmattan, I want you to maybe run through some of the pictures that you might have from family camps. Uh, I see Al sitting there, and, and yesterday, uh, Ivan, his, his father, was there at the camp, and always, it's always fun with Ivan and the backhoe. And uh, Ivan stopped for a second, and we were talking about some camp things, and Ivan looked at me and went, Matt, you, you need to hear my, my faith journey. You need to hear how I accepted Jesus. And so for 25 minutes, uh, he's sharing with Wayne and I, Here's how I came to know Jesus, which for Wayne and I, as we drove away from Ivan, went, okay, that's why we do camp. Because Ivan in the beehive suddenly went, why are all these people responding? And all of a sudden he was at the altar responding. And, uh, and suddenly we're motivated going, yeah, you know what? Camp's not about this pipe not working. It's not about why aren't the mattresses here yet. It's about people coming to know Jesus and finding Jesus in a, in a profound and powerful way. You know, I think at, at some point it would be fun maybe to sit down at Camp Harmattan or even as a church because you do have a history here and to, to kind of go through those pictures and go, do you remember this? Do you remember that? In the Old Testament, they used to set up altars to remember. This is where God showed up in a huge way. And unfortunately, in our world, we don't set up altars anymore. We have altars that, that kind of remain here and they signify something, but we don't have altars in our life where we look and go, that's where God showed up in a huge way. Oh, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? generations would be told they would gather with their grandparents and grandparents would go, do you remember when God, God parted that Red Sea? God's hand of protection was upon us. And maybe as a church and as a camp, we need to recalibrate that. Maybe that needs to become part of our DNA where on a weekly basis we're sharing the stories of, do you remember when God did this? Because that propels us into the future. Rather than going, man, I haven't seen God at work anywhere. Where, where has he been? Uh, those landmark times are a definite mark of, of a legacy. You know, as, as great as it is to talk about those marks, I want to talk about this, and I, I want to zero in on you as an individual. What legacy will you leave as an individual? Let's not just push it to the church and go, well, that's Pastor Stu's department I'll get on his train, but let's just make this about us as individuals. What makes up a good legacy for us as an individual? What will it take to create this? And then maybe, like I need to ask myself this week, am I personally creating a spiritual legacy? Or am I just talking about it? Okay, so we've got to go to the dictionary. Thank God some of you have your iPhones and can easily go to dictionary.com. But here's what the dictionary says. That a legacy is something that's handed down from an ancestor or from the past. 
So as we look at that, we go, legacies are these rare and special gifts, these, these tokens that are given from one generation to the next, one person to another. My grandpa passed away this, uh, this fall. And my grandpa's given me uh, a Bible before he, he passed away with all his notes that he wrote for 20 years in it. That's a legacy. So as I flip the pages of the Bible, I can son of, of Grandpa's Bible, I'm suddenly reminded of, man, anytime I was there in the summer, Grandpa would be sitting at the breakfast table reading his Bible before I'd get up. And then as I scroll through the pages, I suddenly see the thoughts of Grandpa going, this is my God. This is the God that I worship. I need to become more like this. That's a legacy. So long after Grandpa's passed away, I have Grandpa's heart toward God uh, in the printed page. So let's talk about three things. Uh, A good pastor, I I did some research on Stu, and so he has three points always, so I need to have three points. So they're going to come up on the screen now. These three points. Creating a spiritual legacy always involves obedience to God. It always starts there. And that's the hardest thing for us because we like to obey God like this. One foot in God's will, one foot outside of God's will, just in case it doesn't work out. So really today, I want to challenge you to, what does it take for you as an individual to live with both feet in God's will? So creating a spiritual legacy involves obedience to God. It involves godly conduct and character, and it involves having spiritual eyes. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. This is going to be our passage that we kind of springboard from this morning. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. We're going to pick it up at verse 13. A little story tucked away in the Old Testament. During harvest time, three of the thirty chief men came to David at the, ca- at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley. At that time, David was in the stronghold. The Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for some water from the well and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. Okay, let's make this 2012. Oh, I'm longing for my favorite French fries from Stratford, Ontario, from Ken's Chip Wagon. Oh, I am longing for them. And suddenly, somebody gets on the plane at their expense, goes, gets me the fries, figures out how to keep them hot, brings them back to me, presents them to me with great pride, like, wow, I did it, Matt. Here's Ken's chip wagon in the special cup with the special vinegar. And I look at them and I dump them out. Uh, Quite an interesting dynamic that would have happened. Uh, If I was one of those mighty men, I'd have went, what just happened here? They didn't have nice bottles to carry the water in, so they'd been carrying it in a pot. They'd break through enemy lines. they get to the well. they quickly get the water. Now they run back, and David pours it out. 
And today, I really think we can learn a lot about legacy from this. So let's look at that first one. Creating a spiritual legacy involves, uh, always involves obedience to God. You know, his men responded, David's mighty men responded to the selfish request. They risked their life for the king. And they, they do all that, and David instead pours it out to God. Well, what, what could this truly mean? Well, I, I want you to look at two different characters in the story, the mighty men and, and David. So let's look at the obedience of the mighty men. I believe one of the most important things that you can pass on to any generation and at any point in a person's spiritual journey is that sometimes God asks us to do things that doesn't make sense. And do you obey? Or do you make that pro and con list where you go, okay, if I talk myself out of it, then I really don't have to obey God. Uh, Part of my journey is, for eight years, I was a student ministry pastor in one church, and then, unfortunately, I was the senior pastor for four years. And God asked me to step into a situation that I was like, I will never, ever be the senior pastor. I said that from the mic. And so God took my never, ever and changed it into something. And I remember saying to God very clearly, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to hate it. And hopefully within six months, I will blow up the church and they'll put me back in student ministry. And we laugh, but... Think of how we obey God. Okay, God, I'll do it, but I don't enjoy it. Okay, God, I'll commit to it, but I'm not really going to serve you 100% in it. I'm just going to do the minimum. It's the one foot in God's will, one foot outside of God's will. And you and I, as, as Christ followers, one of the greatest gifts that we can give people is obedience to God without question. When God calls us and we hear his voice, our only response is to obey him. Look at the response of the mighty men. They didn't barter with David. They didn't ask him. They didn't go, David, really? You want us to go over there? Do you know how many armies are over there? They just did it. They knew that the king would not ask them to do something that he didn't want them to do. And in the same way, when our king asks us to do something... We need to to realize that God's in it. Okay, so that's the first group. Now let's look at the second group. David's response. David suddenly realizes this was a terrible request. What a brutal request. How could I ask my men to risk their life for a simple drink of water? So David chooses to salvage that situation by offering the water as a drink offering back to God. He risked the lives of the men simply because he was a selfish request. There's going to be times in our life, and here's a legacy, Mark, there's going to be times in our life where we do something that's against God's character. And my question for you, and it's for myself too, is how quick am I to admit error to people in my path of life when I step out of bounds and not do something right? So often, churches have become a place of uh, side conversations. Uh, Camp has become a, a place of parking lot conversations. And what God wants us to do with legacy is just to be obedient quick, but also to admit when we're wrong. 
and the value of a person who admits that they don't have it all together is someone that truly leaves a legacy. Let me ask a few questions, and I ran these through my head this morning and this week as I was preparing. How obedient to God are you? Not kind of obedient, maybe a little bit obedient, but it's either are you obedient to God or are you not? And if you need some help with that, just ask your spouse or someone in your life that is is close with you to go, how obedient of a person do they describe you? You know those people that are obedient to God? They're usually the crazy people in the church. They're the ones we look at and go, really? Yikes. They're the people that go, well, God's calling me to actually give away this, or God's calling me to live in this community, or God's calling me to do this, and it doesn't make sense. And the rest of the community looks at them and goes, have you thought through this? Do you know what you're doing? When God calls us to be obedient, we have to respond in obedience. And then that that third question, which I've already asked, is how quick are you to come back into obedience with God? When you mess up, how quick are you to come back in obedience with God? Well, let's look at that second area, okay? So that second area. Creating a spiritual legacy involves godly character and conduct. Character doesn't really seem to count in our day and age anymore. You can have your name recognized by millions of people. You can have your faces in magazines. You can still have your life morally corrupt and still be recognized as successful. Uh, look at Second Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, flip to, to Second Peter chapter 1. I love this, and I, I really think that this is a progression. So when you read this, uh, this passage, I want you to really think of it as a progression, not just as a shopping list. I think sometimes, uh, sometimes God gives us commands in Scripture that are a shopping list. It's like, okay, you need all these things in your shopping cart. And then sometimes God gives us a thing where it's like built upon each other. And I think this is one of those lists that builds upon one another. So verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort, work really hard to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why we're struggling as a North American church to be relevant. Add to your faith, to your relationship with God, goodness. And to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, have self-control with that knowledge. Don't be haughty just because you're so smart. And to self-control, actually have perseverance in that. Because self-control, I can go, I'm really self-controlled. And then ten minutes later, I can be in the parking lot and lose my self-control. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, have mutual affection for all those people. And to mutual affection, love, love, love. William Davis describes the, uh, the difference between reputation and character like this. Reputation is what you, su- you are supposed to have. Character is, uh, character is what you are. 
Uh, reputation is what you have when you come to a new community. Character is what you have when you go away. Reputation is made in a moment. Character is built in a lifetime. Your reputation is learned in an hour. Your character doesn't come to light for many years after. A single newspaper report gives you your reputation. A life of toil gives you character. Reputation is what men think you are. Your character is what God knows you to be. Reputation is what men say about you on your tombstone. Character is what the angels say about you before the throne of God. Character is defined by the dictionary as this, the combination of qualities or or features that distinguish one person, group, or thing from another. So then we need to ask ourselves this question this morning. What are the, the combination of qualities or features that distinguish us from the people around us? How would people describe your character? Are you a man or woman of your words? Or are you someone who completes the tasks that you are given? Well, let's, let's end this quickly here. Creating a spiritual legacy involves us having spiritual eyes. Creating a legacy involves us actually opening our eyes and looking around. What do your eyes see? As you look in the sanctuary this morning, what do you see? You know, I think we need to start to look for the mighty men in this next generation. First Sam, uh, Second Samuel 21, David saw these four men around him. By the end of chapter 23, David actually sees 37 mighty men. There were more than David realized. God had placed some incredible people around David. And guess what? God, in the same way, has placed some incredible people here at Skyview, or at Camp Harmattan, or in our district. God is building a group of young men and women in this district. Are you a part of it? There's some great young men and great young women, some teenagers who have their hearts right for God. And they're just, they're waiting to be noticed. Not noticed so that they can be applauded by, wow, look at you, 16, you're going to do great things for God. But be noticed where somebody goes, I want to invest my life in you. Uh, One of the years that I worked with Sun Life, I had the privilege of of traveling with Dan Webster. And Dan's history is that he was the first youth pastor at Willow Creek and the first youth pastor at Crystal Cathedral. And Dan said this, and I'll never forget it. He goes, our job as adults in youth life is to get on their team and give them our resources. And so often we've made it about us as adults, and about our legacy, making sure that we leave a decent legacy that we're working toward, where Dan's going, man, get on the team of a young person and just bless them with the resources that you have. That's knowledge, that's finances, that's prayer, that's just the ability to go, you are going to be everything that God's called you to be. Uh, Jesus with his disciples did this. Uh, Jesus' disciples were the worst youth group ever. Like, they were a disaster. Think about it. Okay, we, we come in peace. That was a message early on. What happened in the garden? We're cutting off ears. Okay, guys, I need you to pray with me. Prayer is very important. You've seen me pray to my Father all the time. You've seen the strength. I need you to pray with me. You're my friends. And they're asleep. 
And suddenly, Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. And Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Here's a warning. You're going to deny me three times. And what did Peter do? Denied him three times. And where did Jesus find his disciples after he rose from the dead? Fishing. It's like, I'm building my church upon these guys. If Jesus stayed 50 days after he died and rose again, I would have probably stayed 350 more days and went, okay, we've got to figure this out because something's off the track here. And you and I are in churches today because of who? Peter and the disciples. Who, got, who Jesus looked at in John 17 and said, these guys will do even greater things than I've done. And you and I as adults need to start to claim that verse of going... This generation has the ability to change the world and revive the church. And we need to share our resources. And so part of our job, whether it's at Camp Harmattan or Skyview or a church in our district, is to start to look and identify those individuals. Open your eyes. You know, we talked about this earlier in the message. We need to tell the stories of God. Nothing links the community of God closer together than hearing the stories of God's power and God's work. Some of you have built church buildings that we've worshipped in for many years. Some of you have built beautiful buildings at camp. Some of you have taught Sunday school. Some of you have invested an enormous amount of time. And you've given sacrificially. And you've seen God's hand of providence. When Wayne and I signed up last year, we got the great privilege of seeing a snow slide that wiped out the multiplexes overhang. That was February. Then in June, we saw the flood. And then in July, we had everybody in the bathroom preparing for the tornado that was going to go through. But I can remember an individual looking at us going, God's hand of protection is on this camp. You can't wreck it. You can't destroy it. It won't go away. God shows up in huge ways at Camp Harmat. In spite of us, alongside of us. And through all those situations, we needed to be pointed back to, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember those times when God showed up? As a church, We need to start to recalibrate ourselves with the stories of how God is at work. You know, the final thing is we just need to commit to walking alongside of someone. And that's scary. We don't look like students. We don't talk like students. We don't dress like students. That doesn't matter. We need to walk alongside of someone. We need to pick someone out in our family, in our church, at the camp, be an encourager to them. Be proud of them. Build a relationship with them. Be a Paul to a Timothy. In that time, the support will be like a powerful wind in the sails of that person's life. Young people are crying out for others to believe in them. You can be that encourager. This not only builds a strong family at home, but the family of God is built through the foundations that are laid upon the relationships together in this room. 
Well, that's what we long to do at camp. We long to walk alongside of students, whether they are on staff or simply coming for a week of camp. We want to walk alongside of them and look at them and say, this is the God that you serve, now go and do it. It's no question that God's going to raise up another generation of leaders. The question really needs to be this. Are you going to be a part of that generation? Can you or do you have relationships that cross generational lines? Will you be a person who leaves a legacy or will you just watch a legacy develop? Let me pray. God, as as we transition into communion, communion is truly a legacy. Where you looked at your disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you which signifies a new covenant that's coming. And then in Paul's words, we read that we're supposed to do this often and that any time we do it, we proclaim that you are king and that you rose from the dead and that we have life eternal. God, my prayer for Skyview and for camp and for churches in this district is that we would truly be a generation of adults who share our resources, who leave healthy legacy marks to these students, and that this group of students would be a generation that changes the world and revives the church. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being a gracious God. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, I pray that you'd take it from my friends' minds. If God used me in a small way, may it be the Holy Spirit that convicts and prompts and guides. We love you and adore you in your name. Amen.